Academy episode 29. So how much interdependence can we create to not become a corporate environment? How much independence can be maintained and protected? Because that's the source of a lot of great ideas and a lot of new solutions. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, aftermarketers from North America and around the world to the Town Hall Academy Forum with a very interesting discussion on are we too dependent on being independent? Carm Capriato here, your host. Well, this Academy episode is brought to you by Jasper Engines and Transmissions. In addition to the strict quality remanufacturing steps they take at Jasper, they can actually improve a drivetrain component's original design so that it runs longer and better than when it was new. Check out their featured engine and transmission pages at jasperengines.com. You know, because not everyone has the time to watch the live webcast of the Town Hall Academy Forum, this sister podcast is perfect for every one of my listeners who's on the go and enjoys their audio uptake. Be it commuting, plane rides, exercising, or chores, I'm so glad you're here. Catch the show notes for this episode at remarkableresults.biz slash A029. Now there you'll find the cliff notes for this episode. No need to write down the key talking points. They are already done for you. Also find extended bios on my guests and links to their previous episodes. Now if you have a topic you'd love covered on a future Town Hall Academy, just send me an email. You can find my email and all the social links to the industry's premier podcast at remarkableresults.biz slash social. Now about this episode, the topic is one that I knew was going to be a tough, well, make that interesting talk to narrow down or to even find some consensus in. But I want you to know that the discussion brought up some very good points along the way that will make this a great listen for you. Now, if you care about the success of your business and the industry you earn your living at, listen to this discussion about becoming interdependent on each other so we lift the industry to new levels. Yes, a very powerful, thought-provoking talk. Nothing like some gray cell stretches going on right here. Now meet my guests, Scott Weaver from Superior Auto Electric. The world knows him as Gonzo from Gonzo's Toolbox. Scott writes about his personal review of the industry, published every month, and shares his brand of knowledge and humor on gonzostoolbox.com. No doubt if you earn your living on the service side of the aftermarket, you've read his articles or may have even read his book, Hey Look, I Found a Loose Nut. Scott's an ASE Master Tech, owner of Superior Auto Electric, a writer and editor for Haynes Manuals, a Marine veteran, a substitute teacher at Oklahoma Technical College, and an avid golfer, and also a recent survivor of open-heart surgery. Listen to Gonzo and me in episode 109 and 207. Also, here is Uwe Kleinschmidt, founder and CEO of AutoVitals. He is a passionate visionary and is dedicated to building solutions for the independent automotive shop owner to succeed in the modern Internet era. He has spent 15-plus years working with the automotive technology with Robert Bosch in a variety of positions around the globe, building software to master the transition to highly computerized cars. Uva is an Ironman finisher, holds a Ph.D. in electrical engineering, is an inventor and holder of multiple patents. He and I were in episode 189. 
Also with us is Bill Nalu, president of Interstate Auto Care in Madison Heights, Michigan. Bill has been in business for over 30 years. He is a big collaborator with industry professionals in building today's high-tech, old-fashioned customer service systems. He currently serves on several industry and educational advisory councils, including Auto Value Bumper to Bumper, Dorman Industries, and Cardone. Listen to Bill and I in episodes 39, 69, 100, 118, and 200, and Town Hall Academy 2 Resolutions, and Town Hall 06 Managing a Negative Online Review, and Town Hall 12 What Keeps You Up at Night. Now, enjoy the Town Hall Academy on Are We Too Dependent on Being Independent? We have a subject here, everyone, that is, you know, I, I figured it was going to be easy to talk about, and it may not be, but it is important and we need to just have this discussion and get it out in the open. Wow, are we too dependent on being independent? And as I shared this with my panel and they said, hey, I want to come on and talk about it, we had an awful lot of banter back and forth about some discussion points. So are we too dependent on being independent? Here's some thoughts to start us off. We think along the lines, why being independent's a good thing in our world because we've always considered the aftermarket is independent versus dealerships are supposed to be something that aren't independent, yet all the dealers are independent businessmen and have a franchise. The industry calls us indies. I remember actually speaking to somebody, well, you guys, you're from the indies. Wow. How about the big indie film industry? Are we? Are, is that what we're like? You know, we do our own thing, something different along the way. It seems to breed us not working together to lift our image, to improve labor rates, to access information, to share tools and equipment. So we're indie. They do their thing. I do mine. Associations. They're a great help to bring lobbying and benefits, but they lack membership. And we need to support associations. This isn't the, a rant on associations, but that does help to bridge interdependence, doesn't it? Should, it, should we go it alone? Is it the best thing to do? We've come to learn that 20 groups bring strength to their individual members. Associations create networking opportunities and bridges the gap of being alone. And finally, my final salvo here, if not independent, then are we traditionalists? Back in the day when blacksmiths said, what are we going to do now? Well, I think they started to work on the wheels, didn't they? Why do car dealers seem to be united when they're really independent business people? They seem to have a united front. Yet we all act as independent businessmen. No one calls Pep Boys independent, yet they do the same thing that independents do. And so, how do we become unindependent? Individuality and entrepreneurialism is powerful, but independent, interdependent on each other can become a good thing. And I think about all the ideas that we've shared on the podcast before, which is why I came up with this title. I want you guys to tackle this for us. You know, Gons, you've been an independent businessman for 30-some years. Over three decades now, yeah. How do you see uh, the success of truly and totally being independent? And in fact, you've written so much uh, in the industry, you, you've got a feel for it. I don't think it's ever going to be something that's going to go away. I, I, the independent market's here to stay as far as I'm concerned. Uh, first off, dealerships can't handle all the work. And even if they did... 
there's certain groups of people or certain type of people that are not going to go to there because the, because of the the way the the manufacturers structured or the dealerships have structured their repair uh, methods. Uh, whether it's you know you go in for one thing, you end up having to spend for ten other things that you didn't expect you needed, or the, the scare tactic or the one-up sale or whatever the case may be. But for some people, they want that more closeness of the blacksmith. They want to be able to walk up and talk to the owner who may be also the technician at the same time, and, and they want that confrontation. Um, you know, the big problem, of course, comes down to uh, getting the time or the money or the needed equipment to do the professional level that is equivalent to the dealerships. But guns, any independent can buy the same equipment. That right. doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't, yeah, well, they can. They can. Uh, they, I, they absolutely I, can. I mean, you know, it, it's, 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 it's how much of this do you have? But yes, you can get the exact same equipment. It's just uh, being a small independent guy, the way I've been for years, uh, that budget may dictate what you can work on or what you're more comfortable with because of that. And that goes back to now you're, you're talking aftermarket equipment versus a uh, manufacturer tool such as scanners and all that. Thanks for that, Gons. Bill, you've always been um, a visionary. Anytime you've ever been on the show, and you, know, and, and you and I just, we, we talk. And what we talk about is so much of how you see the future and what's going on and where we need to head. How are you handling this, this, the title of this academy? This is a, this is a heavy one. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see the problem being independent, you know? I mean, it's worked with us for us so far, you know? We... We know how to fix things, right? And we know how to run our businesses. Uh, we've been doing it for all these years. And when somebody that we don't like, we don't agree with, we just tell them, don't let the door hit you in the ass. Whether they're technicians, whether they're suppliers, we just tell them to go away. We're independent. You know, we are. We can do it all, right? How has right. wet worked so far for us? Uh, and so my, what got me thinking about this whole thing is today I'm wearing my, here, I'll bring this down here, my 1787 shirt. And the significance of that is that we declared our independence on July 4th, 17, uh, 1776. But we truly didn't uh, establish our independence until we established a government. And that wasn't until, I think it was May 24th of 1787, when we elected General Washington as our first president. What's my point about this? Is to sort of look at the, before we can look at the, the micro, uh, before we look at the macro, we've got to look at the micro. What is this all about? And what it's all about is I see this as the only way we can truly be experience our independence is on the shoulders and on the legacy of who sacrificed for our sake in the first place. And as an industry, the only way we can do that is if we understand that what we have to hand over to the to the to the next generation of which many don't want to be involved. One of my um, one of my um, one of my realizations that was sort of rocked me to my core was when my son said, "You know, Dad, I don't, I'm not really sure I want to take over the business one day. I'm not really sure I want to do what you do for a living." And he wasn't talking about the fact that I, I work ungodly hours and I put so much time into it. Uh, uh, I look at Uva here. You know, Uva at 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday is answering Facebook posts about you know about SmartFlow. That kind of stuff is just so endearing and it's so uh, I have so much respect for for the guys and gals in our industry. But um, surely we understand this. How do we get the rest of the industry to understand how interdependent we are 
Um, sure, we are independent, like the like like planet Earth is independent from the moon, like one drop of water is independent from another drop of water. Who are we kidding here? Are we are we for real? Do we really think we're completely in, independent? So maybe that's where we go with this conversation here for the next hour. Thanks. For well, Sarah. I like I like the uh, the comment interdependent. That is a, that's a good fact of what really goes on behind the scenes. And maybe the word independent is maybe misleading as far as what the, the real, let's say, the core of the independent market guys are like. So good point. Hey, I'm with Brian Weeks from ATC Auto Center. Brian, why Jasper engines and transmissions? So I think Jasper, the reason why we uh, chose to deal primarily with Jasper is uh, the quality of the product and the people. I know that it is a uh, associate-owned company, but it's more about the people. They do what they do uh, in this industry that is tough, and they stay on top of the cutting-edge engineering, changing and maybe developing ways around uh, known problems and issues. So they're adding value. They're making things better. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, They're taking a situation that you may have a common failure with and going in, taking it apart, going through the engineering, the R&D department saying, okay, how can we make this better? And then from that standpoint, it comes to us that at the end of the day, the end user gets much more value for the dollar that they spend. Hey, Brian, thanks for your time. Carm, thank you. Uva, before I ask you to chime in and, and, and bring some, um, maybe some direction to our, our discussion, I want to share with everyone what I recently did. And if anyone's a, a, a fan of Stephen Covey and the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, this is these are the seven habits. And they show the dependence, the uh, dependence, independence, and the interdependence. And, and really, that was one of the motivators I had about how can, how can we all get together and become more interdependent on associations and each others in the marketplace. Let me, let me have one final piece here. It is great to be unique. It is great to be different. It is great to have the, the culture that breeds from your heart. None of that goes away when you run a great business, but to help each other in the common goal of a better image and 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 again in the associations and fighting the the legislation that people just you know god you're from california uva they they create laws just to create laws down there don't they yes i guess it's great that we have associations that want to fight that but we I'm, I'm not sure we're taking total advantage as an industry of that element so uh give us your take on where we're headed with this so i i just want to I hope you can hear me okay. Uh, tell you the the story when I uh, how and and when I went into business, what happened? Right, I have been with corporate for a while, um, pretty successful, and then based on somebody and who were, who was a great entrepreneur, founded two companies, uh, considered going into automotive, and did a little project to find out how automotive works. As a result of that project, I quit my job, founded Auto Vitals, and he told me he's not going to go into automotive. Too complicated, too fragmented. Um, he made a lot of money in, in a different industry in the meanwhile, right? And it went IPO and so on and so forth, right? And, and, and so, and I, 
uh, went into this industry because I love it and I have a lot of technician buddies and owners and I mean different reasons why I went into this business but um, I was driven by that and then I spoke to Larry Moore I don't know whether you know him he has in the meanwhile sold his business in uh, Mountain View California started as a hippie uh, repairing VWs in the 60s and he said Uwe if you want to come into our industry and you think you can build one tool which fits us all you're mistaken we are all anarchists hmm. right and that made me really really think and to this day and that's a funny joke but there's so much truth to it because for us to build something which really serves you guys uh, the independence makes it awesome when you look at our Facebook forum, how we get feedback and, and, and work together. It makes it super hard when somebody says, you know, I'm different. Just build something special for me, but I'm not willing to pay for it. Right? So that's our side of the angle of, of this, of this story, right? I, I, but I want to, Sorry, I want to add one more uh, piece What what we said about dealerships before. I, I just want to make it very short and brief and say no dealership, especially in, in, in today's consolidation climate, will ever provide the proximity to the customer and the customer service. Mm -hmm. And if that is not leveraged as an independent, right, then, then we have made a mistake. Right? We should really look at the things which, which are great and can really hardly or never be overcome. You know, dealerships are consolidating. If you have to drive 40 miles for an oil change, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Right? And, but we are, not, we are not set up in a mindset that we have to create the independence where the uniqueness and the ideas and the entrepreneurship creates value. And where the interdependence creates branding in the market, creates power in the legislation, creates definition of, uh, you know, process and tools to run the business and focus on a customer service. I hope that makes all sense what I'm saying. But I'm, I'm really passionate about this because it is to the detriment of my own business, right? So how much interdependence can we create to not become a corporate environment? How much independence can be maintained and protected? Because that's the source of a lot of great ideas and a lot of new solutions. Does it make sense? Yeah, it, it goes back to the creativity oh. and the uniqueness of each and every right. business, yet interdependent um we would we would be happy to say i can do it cheaper better and faster than the guy down the road and instead of just having the right labor rate and a great running business and let it stand on its own we're almost like you never hear dentists talk bad about the guy down the road doctors continue to keep continue their education because they know it's really important for their career and their business and you know sometimes well i'm independent I don't have to go to school. I'll just figure it out. Uh, you know, I'll learn. I'll Google something. And you just said a mouthful. And I, I wrote down a couple of things. Chime in, team, anytime. <laughs> um, I wrote down, you, you said, uh, I, I get, you know, a thousand different ideas how to do the same thing. 
Basically, that's what you said. And right. I wrote down the word franchise. And don't ask me why, but it, it got me to think about how those systems are standard there. And and I get it, Uva. You, you're creating a piece of software that you know in its rawest sense is great. But yet there are improvements, those great unique ideas that will always kick it up a notch and give you something different. Yet in its purest form, it's a great piece of software. So are you you are obviously willing as a purveyor of software as a service, I don't know exactly what you would call yourself, um, to have switches created so that every independent operator can choose their flavor? That's the perfect topic. Um, And I don't want to single out a single point of sale system, but look at them. They have exactly done that. So if you go into the menu items, you find 3 million options for everything. And I claim the result of this is there's not a single service advisor in this industry who knows their tool. They just have memorized the steps how to use it for their purposes. That's not... So what I would like to air on is tools are nothing without the context in which they are used. So you can have great tools, very simple if the process is clear, and you can have way more sophisticated tools which try to have millions of options, and they suck because they're so complex because they're trying to be everything for everybody, right? And and especially in the world, you know, there are two reasons why shops, for example, although we are not in a point-of-sale business, I consider the point-of-sale the core software tool in a shop, right? There's there are two reasons why shops don't like to switch. Number one, what happens with my data? But more importantly, do I get my service advisor on a learning curve within a week because I'm not here to test tools, I'm here to run my business. And if everything is complicated and you have to you have to learn it over and over again without a process behind it. I'm in the meanwhile of the opinion we are not selling a tool. We're selling a process, and a tool comes with it. Especially, that's why we're talking digital in the meanwhile. Everything has changed so much, but is still changing. You know, when we switched from a landline phone to a smartphone, did we keep using it only at home or at work and stuck with the same process? We didn't. And that's a simple example you know, how, and that's actually the beauty of independence, right? Everybody knows how to change. Nobody was stuck and waits for the process being dictated from some overarching government or whatever, or the boss or, or, or whatever, right? So you figure it out. But the question is, where is that, where is that threshold where figuring everything out on your own is still going to be effective? Oh, I was going to say, it, it, these are really good points, but, uh, you know, listening to all this, my mind keeps going back to being an independent shop. And some of the the, the problems, uh, you know, compared to, let's say, a, a doctor or a dentist, 
you know, a doctor, a dentist can say I'm a practicing doctor, but I, I, I sure as hell can't say I'm a practicing mechanic. People look at you like, well, what kind of idiot are you? You're just practicing. You know, I thought you're supposed to be good at this. And then you know, it gets back to that being the, the independent guy. And you're struggling every day just to keep the doors open and fix your customers' cars, treat everybody right, buy the right equipment, keep everything going. And at the same time, uh, the cost of all this just keeps going up. And, and, and at some point, there's a break-off point where you, you just can't do it. And uh, like I've seen some of the comments come up that the amount or the number of independent shops seems to keep dwindling down. And is that because of the equipment? Is that because the independent guy has been so busy working from, you know, six in the morning till 11 o'clock at night fixing cars, he doesn't have time to get with the new technology to work the, his, his business better. And maybe he needs to talk to Uva about, you know, hey, you, there's a strategy here that you could use. Uh, but getting that word to these guys before they fall flat on their face or, you know, end up in a heart attack and, you know, that sort of thing where you've worked yourself into a frenzy. So, you know, being the, to me, being independent has a lot to do with answering all the problems yourself. But that's where the problem is. It's almost impossible to answer all the problems yourself without intervention from somebody else. So that, that's, that's probably my key point when, it, when you talk about being an independent repair shop because you want to do it. But can you do it? Can you do it all by yourself? And I don't think so. I don't think it's possible anymore. I think Uva and Gonzo are, are talking about the Holy Grail. And the Holy Grail to yeah. me is one in which the software that Uva is building adapts to my independ my desire, my need to be independent from everybody else in, in this much. I don't need to be independent in every way, shape, or form. I couldn't survive. I mean, back in, in high school, my, my Navy uh, auto mechanics instructor, my ex-Navy helicopter repair teacher said something that sort of sticks with me to this day. He said, back in, in 1981, 82, 80,000 pages of repair information was hitting the street every single day. And that mm. seems like a whole heck of a lot, right? I mean, just compare that fast forward in this IATN world, in this Identifix world, in this world where you've got 10, 20, 30 times car, the car lines out there. It's just incredible. There's got to be millions of pages of, of information hitting the streets every single day. And, and it just keeps going and going. How are you going to sift through this maze without identifying and partnering up with suppliers of information and logistics and, and so forth? It's impossible. So if you want to be independent, please explain to me how we do this without being dependent, interdependent at the same time. Can't happen. And Bill, I've got a collection of uh, repair manuals dating back into the 30s and whatnot. The 1930-something Ford electrical manual is probably about that thick. And that's it. That is every piece of electrical device on it. Imagine how many pages of information we have today. Yeah. And being an independent, and for me, I was, you know, I studied most of my stuff in electronics. And to have the access to all that information was tough and then understanding it all. So, yeah, I, I, 
I'm going to put a little small plug in for NASDAQ right now because I think they're they're a, one of these unsung hero associations that you know Skip Potter is executive director of and he's retiring soon and I am going to do an interview with him uh, where it's the alliance of you know the OEs and the independents and you know where are we getting our information and data so that's that's out there and I think that that lends itself to this interdependence type talk. That's it exactly. That's exactly the point. Wow, guys. Um, Gary Keyes uh, chimed in. He said, independents have become less due to the development of groups like NAPA, um, Federated, uh, Delco, PSC, and trade associations like ASA that bring independents together to share ideas and resources. So it's such a great statement, and it's so true. I mean, when I, you know, I just think of the, the incredible service professionals that I've interviewed. Everyone has a, you know, a great supplier. They're in their network. They're participating. They've got coaching companies. And we keep calling ourselves independents. What? It's a moniker. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is there something else that we could consider as being <laughs> we call ourselves, what, what do you do? Well, I, I work in the independent automotive aftermarket. Well, what's that? Uh, where do you get your cars fixed? Oh, I take it to the dealer. No one knows what we do and who we are and why that the, the majority of the world runs because of us. So, so, so I think there are a clear trends where independents are challenged, right? So Gonzo started talking about equipment. You know, nowadays cars are computerized. If you are an all-makes, all-models shop in a small town, you have to think how you can you know, afford this complex diagnostic equipment and it's not going to get less. And right? everything. Training. And the training, right? Yes. And so mobile mobile diagnosticians have found business now and travel around because individual shops cannot afford it anymore. OEMs make that a clear strategy to lock independence out, right? Although it doesn't work 100%, but I mean, you know what's going on there, right? There has to be something which goes beyond BDG groups, 20 groups, and so on and so forth, right? You, there has to be a branding and a legal lobby for this industry where, where, where bigger things are at, at play. I give you an example, a friend of mine running a shop in Tucson got sued by Honda. I mean, he has no chance with his budget to even consider suing back, right? So, so that's probably not a daily occurrence, but, you know, um, I, I think you, you mentioned Napa, you know, I think Napa does an incredible job organizing BDGs, right? That, that's like a 20 group, right? So we know what works. But I think we have to take it to the next level. There has to be a little bit more standardization. 125 point of sale systems in the market, that's, that's not bad, right? I'm just saying it is a fragmented space where when you want to change something, it's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. Well, Ubi, you bring that point up, that makes me think about ASA, ASE, and you know, there's a lot of people that are, are all for that, and then there's a lot of independence that don't want anything to do with us you know we've got to we've got to decide do we want to be independent or not be independent 
you know, as a group, not just as an individual shop, but as a group. But but one of the points that Gary brought up, and I think Uva, you're you're mentioning, is that if you pick the right supplier, you're really not independent. In a good way. Yeah, in a good yeah. way. If I was just starting out, and I was a tech, and uh, I picked a really good supplier to uh, to do business with, and I embraced their programs, maybe this is all about getting people to join something. Okay, because there's a lot yeah. of them that don't join anything. They've got ten, ten different supplies. I mean, you know, they, one of my talking points is, you know, commit to a a, a quality supplier and and, and and help strengthen the distribution network with all the onslaughts of e-commerce and Amazon coming in and people, you know, trying the new restaurant in town. That doesn't support the interdependence that a good supplier relationship can bring you. I'll give you an example to this. All right. Exactly what you're talking about. Uh, several years ago, Ford tried a little, uh, let's call it a pilot program here in, in uh, Tulsa. Uh, they created a uh, independent repair shop. But what it was really it was a dealer level, dealer employees run repair shop, but it was supposed to be independent. Now, there was some kind of legality in this thing to make it legal. They had to have a new car in a, in a little mini showroom. So that thing just sat there. No one even touched it. It was just there. But it wasn't long before the, let's say, the, the buying market figured out that these prices, this attitude, the, the way the shop was run, it was run like a dealership and it failed quickly. I mean, it was gone within six, eight months a year. But the, the idea was they were trying to fool you into believing that they were an independent market and try to get into the market as an independent shop and it didn't work. So now there's been some talk that the manufacturers will come to the independent shop and say, hey, I'll supply you with what you need at a given price, of course, and you're going to be an independent shop, but you're directly marketing through me as the manufacturer. But I haven't heard any more about it. It's just another takeoff of who's in, who's going to end up being independent. Are you going to be involved with a manufacturer and you're going to pay time to him to get all the exact information without any kind of sidetracking? Or are you going to be a true independent and then, you know, go to NASTAF and whatnot to get your information or, or whatever. What's independence? What is independence? Help me understand that. Yeah. Let's, let's define being independent here. Let me offer you this. This is sort of, you guys were talking about sort of what sets us apart, why it is that the dealer with all the money and resources cannot uh, duplicate sort of what we do behind our counters. Right. And I think it's impossible it's impossible for you to develop a relationship whereby a, a customer comes in the door uh, for the first time and he's standing there while you are messing with another customer, you know, giving them a hard time while they're giving you a hard time. When you can see sort of what kind of a, these people that are here genuinely like each other. You know, a, a long-time customer comes in the door sometimes, and uh, sometimes you'll you'll hear us say, oh, my God, here goes the neighborhood, right? Yeah. And this is a, How the hell are you? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's almost impossible. Uh, I've walked into plenty of dealerships uh, in my life, and 
there's a two-dimensional facade there that they can't help themselves. The person at the counter has been there for six months and will likely be out of that position six months from now. And unless you have the comfort level to be able to speak to John and, and Jane in a comfortable way, in a way that proves to them that they are family, they're never going to duplicate that. doesn't mean that they can't copy it. They sure are. They sure try. Mm -hmm. But where we are independent is where we are able to speak with with our own voice. And maybe that's, maybe that's where the, where the merge needs to happen is you take systems and processes, the kinds that, that Uva builds and help us to, to say the same thing in a coherent way, in a systemized way, digital inspections, and be able to communicate to the customer the way they want. One of my talking points was the fact that, you know, there are six-figure uh, analysts that are studying this independent market. And, and what we have to come to realize is this information age is now bringing people in that are on their supercomputer on the phone, on the side of the road where they're broken down, they're able to hone in on the kinds of information that we couldn't pay millions of dollars four years ago. This is available at their fingerprints, at their fingertips. And so that's maybe that my invitation. I think we're preaching to the choir. The Remarkable Results podcast are, are almost entirely made up of people who get it. The question is, can we extend our reach in our own uh, local service areas to the and extend consumer. And not even just to the consumer, to other service providers that, oh, yeah. and say to them, I'm independent, you're independent, but let me, let's work together. What is it that Karma says almost weekly, right? None of us are as good as all of us. None of us are as smart as all of us. As smart as all of us, right? You know, those are a couple of great points. Let me make a comment on that. Uh, yeah, we are interviewing the top 10 percenters, uh, incredible people in our industry. Uh, I am so thankful for their wanting to and willing to pay it forward. And uh, we can all listen and learn from it. And that's what we do as, you know, the, the top providers in the industry. But we're opening up a brand new uh, networking opportunity that wouldn't normally exist for the part of our industry that does not go to seminars, that does not read enough of our great industry magazines, but they're finding out, oh my God, there's this new audio thing. It's like AM radio back when we were young and oh God, there's a way in a very private way to not necessarily read, but listen and listen to the person's emotions and listen to their, listen to their ideas. The reason that I think I'm pushing the envelope on some of our subjects and some of these great reasons to do certain things, the Academy is it is helping people rethink their worth, their value, um, where they're headed, how they're getting there, succession planning, social media, all these great topics. But thank you, Bill. I didn't mean to to do that rant, but I want to go back. And I really think we could bring this to a really super conclusion by saying, let's define independence. And let me throw a few things out at you to get you started. We need to be more involved in education. That puts independency on the map. Dealerships are doing all kinds of it, but yet, is this a marching order or a major call for the independents to get involved in education, to build apprentice programs, and not say someone else will do it, let the dealers do it, the schools will figure it out, 
But we, we need to do it. We need to commit to lifelong training, both for our technicians and for ourselves from a business management, from a sales side. We have to support associations. Trust me, they're great people, but they're suffering from membership. They'll easily admit it to you. There's so much more that can happen with our associations the bigger and stronger and better they get. Why does a doctor belong to AMA? He sees value in it. Maybe there's this value prop we've got to figure out with associations, but the people that I have met that belong to associations are incredible people, and they've learned so much from that. And yet, capitalism is great. Don't tell me how to run my business, right? <laughs> I'm, and, and then look at some of the people that are out there that are running phenomenal and unique and different operations with a flavor for this and, a, you know, a fleet element in it. And, and again, that's the beauty of being so independent. But I think, as I've just defined, there are some core things. And, you know, my, I'm, I'm up, up on my little soapbox. It doesn't mean that I have the answers, but I'm trying to ex- incite uh, a little mini revolution here amongst you and the industry. I would like to add to the education portion or training, or I haven't found a better word because for me, when I hear education, I hear school. I hear the instructor in front of the class. I'm listening. And then I go home. And if I'm lucky, I have retained 15%. And if I'm even luckier and a little bit tenacious, I actually apply what I learn. The, the big deal is, I think, once you have taken yourself or your tax or your service advisor out of the running the business and spent the money on some training outside, that's a big hurdle to jump over. How do you do that in a way that actually can be applied in the business the moment they're back? Because every hour they don't apply it after they're back, it's going to be gone. And we all know, having been to seminars, how how great we are in applying what we're learning. You, you, right? you know... You just, you just spoke volumes of the the forgetting curve that exists. You know that thirty day and out, and you know I've I've asked some shop owners, what do you do about that? And they said, well, he comes back and he teaches a class on what he just learned to everyone else, or he sits down across from me and I spend a half hour saying, what'd you learn? How's it going to help us? Yeah. Those kinds of things are incredibly smart tactics inside of how, how to. It's in the process book. No, it's in the book that says how to get more value from every dollar we invest in training. Correct. Mm-hmm. And if you were indepe- and if you were interdependent and in working in a network group and saying, "Hey, I just spent you know five thousand dollars. I sent three guys to Vision. Uh, how am I going to get my ROI on that?" People would be telling you when you're all alone and all by yourself in your own little tower. You can have your own tower, but it needs to be connected somewhere. That's my point. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and the training technology is in the meanwhile in a way that it cannot stop at the, when the training is over and the instructor goes home, it cannot stop there. There should be the ability, like we have tried to and you know, are growing every day, our digital shop talk Facebook forum where we ask best practice questions. And I'm... I'm happy to say we are not fast enough to answer those questions anymore as auto vitals people. There's always a shop owner beating us, right? And 
and, and that's great, right? So my ideal picture would be training is not something which starts somewhere and stops somewhere. It's not a different phase of your life. You have to carve out a little time during every day, focus on a topic and have the means to ask other people so you don't start from scratch every single time and have and can touch something, right? We all know, you know, Technicians learn by touching. 95% of what's retained is by tactile learning, right? So webinar is only helpful if you have something in your hands where you can actually do something with, right? And I think the moment that's going to be successful, you know, people are willing to invest in training because too many also went to training and forgot more than half of it, right? Right. Yeah. Uva made an excellent distinction between training and education. And as somebody who uh, who's who was not a native uh, English speaker, uh, uh, linguistics have always been a, a so I've always had to look up, uh, you know, you, you sort of you look up words for definition. And the interesting thing about the word education is it really has nothing to do with somebody at the front of the class sort of spewing wisdom. At you, education, which comes from the word educare, means to let out, loosely defined as to let out the wisdom from within. Mm. And so maybe, just maybe, what being independent in our industry is, is helping others to become independent. So when a technician says, where do I find this? Mm -hmm. Rather than giving them the answer, why not say to them, where would you find it if I wasn't here? Where would you, how would you handle this situation with this customer that went awry if I wasn't here? And to me, that is the epitome of um, the great coaches that are out there, the great uh, shop owners uh, that I still strive for, by the way, because, uh, you know, it's all a work in progress. But that's that's the mark of a truly great leader who, who leaves his people to be independent, but just following a a process, a very tight process that can change, by the way, as long as you have a better idea than I do, because after all, we're independent. We have independent brains and independent ways of processing the information coming at us. I, I use a similar method when I'm teaching, Bill, where if, let's say I tell them, I find out whether or not that fuel pump's any good. Well, how many different ways can you figure out to test a fuel pump? So when they come up and give me the answer, I say, now go back. I want you to test it in a different manner, you know, use a scope or whatever, you know, just a, a totally different manner because I want you to be independent enough that if the only tool you have that day is a voltmeter and a test light, can you do your job? And you know, in, a, in, a, in a kind of a off way, it builds a little self-motivation or you might call that, that what I call the arrogancy of being independent because you know, you know what you're doing. You don't need anybody else's help. You know, and that's where sometimes that education gets into an issue of teaching that independent guy, don't be so independent. Get out there and learn. Uh, the white elephant in the room uh, was uh, ego. Um, uh, someone mentioned the word arrogance, and that's what came to my mind. And uh, egos. Yeah, that's ego. Egos. Yeah. Ego. Absolutely. You know, don't yeah, tell me. Hell, I was the best tech in the world. I can run a great business. So. Well, you know, I know we weren't going to change the world. We weren't going to, uh, we're going to figure it out someday. But let's go around the room. Gonzo, let me let, start with you. Any final comments? Are we really that independent or 
should we look more in towards ourselves and get involved as a group? Um, and like uh, Uvo mentioned that, uh, you know, maybe we need to step it up to that next level. Uh, but, you know, we're in an industry that does have that ego, that arrogancy, and that independence that kind of blooms in the background and kind of stops us from, you know, getting together as an entire group. Um, but I think that might have to be done in the future to, uh, um, well, not only for tools and, and be able to, you know, transfer somebody's got a better standard than the next guy or the, the training and or, you know, just say consumers, you know, to help the consumer out. Thank you, Gons. Bill, I'll go to you next. Uh, I guess to to uh, repeat what I said earlier, yeah, I guess we are we are independent, just like the uh, there's a you know independence between the the volt and the amp, just like there is between the the positive battery terminal and the negative battery terminal. Um, we live in a this is a a demonstration sport. Life, these careers that we've chosen for ourselves, it's a demonstration sport. And the only way that I can truly demonstrate that I am independent is, uh, oddly enough, uh, is by looking at the duality that is dependency uh, on our on our almighty dollar bill that we work so hard for. It says e pluribus unum out of many one. That declaration that was created, that founding document, probably it was actually the greatest living document to the testament of of uh, of a people that that were looking to become independent, surely they didn't think that just because they put pen to paper that it was going to just sort of materialize without them actually sticking by each other's side and, um, and look at us 240 years later. We are, the, we are the hope of a world that looks to be more like us. And so in, in many ways, maybe this Remarkable Results platform is sort of like America, a beacon of light to the rest of the industry, to, to an invitation um, to collaborate, to connect, to be in the stream. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate that. I'm going to have a final word, and I never normally do, but I'll go last. Uva? Um, how to follow what Bill just said. I cannot compete with a dollar note here. <laughs> um, he always, he always brings it home. I should have made him last, I know. <laughs> uh, so I'd say, you know, let's keep the, the, the good things about independent for me is finding unique solutions. You know, we are all great problem solvers, I think, but identify those problems others have solved already and steal and copy and focus on what we're good at and in this way become more effective and use digital media for training and um, that's, in my opinion, the best way. We cannot travel to every class, and but training is, especially in this changing world, I think the best way of keeping um, on top of things. And and let's figure out, like Bill said, with your podcast, um, how, how to do that effectively. Great. I am all ears. There's things that we can do here in this platform, both audio and video, that we haven't even figured out yet. So I am all ears. Let's just figure out something. Hey, thank you for um, California and, uh, and Michigan and, and Oklahoma and good old Buffalo, New York. Wow. Here's my final word. We need each other. Let's work together. 
Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time, 